0: I solemnly
1: swear that I am up to no good. Messrs. Mooney, Wormtail, Padfoot, and Prongs are proud to present the Marauder's Map. If you succeed tonight, more than one innocent life may be spared.
0: Expecto Patronum!
1: Hey everyone, welcome to Hogwarts, a podcast. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Hogwarts, a podcast. Uh, We are doing some kind of big chapters here. Woohoo! Yeah, we're at the end, uh, closing in on the end of Prisoner of Azkaban. We have Anna back with us.
0: Hi everyone!
1: And uh, before we get to the really cool chapter that's ahead of us, entitled Cat, Rat, and Dog. (laughs) (laughs) So, before we do that, we've had a recent poll on our Twitter, and the question, cheering charms. Dan believes that... Uh, It might be a wizard's answer to, like, prescription medications for depression and anxiety in the wizard world. Whereas Elizabeth thought maybe they're more of a malicious, you're forcing someone to feel an emotion and it's not genuine and it doesn't solve anything anyway.
0: I thought it was a really impressive question, something that I had never thought about in all the years of Chains Charms.
1: uh, The discussion that we had on the podcast, which was last week's episode, so if you want to check out the full debate go listen to that one, but it surprised me on how, like, in-depth we got on cheering charms. Yeah. Like, uh, it was just a random offshoot, like, piece it. of magic that yeah. we just delved into, so it was really cool. But anyway, the results of the poll were, cheerful medicine equals good, got 25%, fake cheer solves nothing, got 50% of the vote. And both, magic is tricky, got 25% of the vote. Uh, For the record, I'm in this poll, having specifically being said to believe one thing, I actually voted for the both magic is tricky part, because I feel like the answer is actually that.
0: I mean, that's usually what the answer is, is the medium. Yeah. I actually voted, I went back and forth, I hesitated, it took me a minute to cast my vote, but between... Fake cheer solves nothing, and both Magic is Tricky and ended up voting for fake cheer solves nothing.
1: Yeah, which I totally get that side. Very
0: specifically to fake cheer, like, but... Yeah. Like the idea of a cheering charm, but anyway.
1: Yeah, it's, well, yeah, and uh, what do you think the purpose of a cheering charm is?
0: I always, and I think that's how it's presented to us in the book, I always just kind of managed it as kind of like a prank type thing. Like a silly kind of thing on the side? Your, yeah. I never thought of it in any sort of depth, like how you and Elizabeth um went there. It was very much just like a throwaway thought to me that I was like, haha, I would probably shoot that at my friend when I was being obnoxious.
1: But... Yeah, it, it was just an interesting question. If you want to hear the full debate, like I said, go to the, the last episode, Chapter 16, and um, yeah, it was a big episode because we got into Trelawney's prediction and a whole bunch of other <laughs> stuff. But anyway, <laughs> uh, we have one shout out to make as well. Um, I'm just going to say the, the the name here. It's I-C-K-A, and uh, the handle is at jessica four six five. 54517. I hope I got all those numbers right. I really do. But um, thank you for being so active on our Twitter, commenting on a lot of our stuff, liking a lot of our stuff. We really appreciate it. So thank you. And yeah, so this was a busy chapter, huh?
0: (sighs) I mean, I've been waiting to get to these two chapters. Yeah, you had these
1: pegged for a long time.
0: Well, they're so Marauder heavy. Like, come on. Of course I wanted them.
1: Uh, So just briefly to run through uh, before we kind of get into the uh, details of it. Um, you you finish the last chapter with the trio leaving Hagrid's hut, and... R.I.P. Puffy. Yes. Uh, you get the definitive <laughs> axe swing that they hear off in the distance, and uh, they're kind of broken up about it. They don't know how to react. Ron is trying to hold on to Scabbers as best he can, but lets him go. They chase Scabbers along, into the shadow of the Whomping Willow, which is never good. Never good. They get attacked by the big black dog that's been stalking Harry this entire book. Drags Ron into the uh, under the, the swinging branches into the uh, which is tunnel. Like
0: how? But anyway, continue. We'll
1: get there. <laughs> <laughs> and drags him into the tunnel that's under the Whomping Willow, which who knew that was there, uh, to the shrieking shack where the trio. Where uh, the trio, the duo now Hermione and Harry, follow him uh, in, and then an interesting scene kind of unfolds, <sighs> where uh, Ron and I, I don't know, I can't help but think of the movie because they did do this part really well. They did it almost word oh, for word. Oh, disagree. They but... they said it word for word. It's like Harry, it's a trap. He's a, I'm seeing Rupert Grint. go, he's an Hannah, you yeah, know that that part is what's ingrained in my fine. head. That's fine. But we'll, well, I know you have a bunch of issues with the entire. Once the scene.
0: again, Hermione is given Ron's best, most heroic line
1: in the movies. But you know, whatever. Well, that's also a constant theme through the books and the movies. But um, Ron has that line of like, "It's a trap," it's, yeah. and I thought of Admiral Akbar, and then it's <laughs> and then it's he's an animagus, and then you like almost swing over to the other side of the room and there's Sirius Black standing there in all of his morbid look glory.
0: Oh, it's so much grosser in the book than the movie. It's a vivid oh, it picture that they vivid. draw. It is. That this draws. guy would scare the bejesus out of me.
1: Yeah. I mean, he looks the part that he's playing, doesn't he? Like he looks like that oh, yes, serial killer so, yes. uh, part. But anyway, um, they obviously have a heated interaction. And then... <laughs> of all people, Lupin enters the equation and throws a curveball at everybody. So, first off, uh, before we get into the Shrieking Shack of it all, yeah. because that's obviously where a lot of this chapter uh, really lies. Of course. The the big black dog part of it.
0: It's... That scene is so much more intense than I remembered yes. before rereading it.
1: Yes, I... That dog, or I guess we can now say in the non-spoiler section, the serious yes. as the dog, yeah. is incredibly strong.
0: He's got to be ginormous. Yeah. For the things... I wrote down some of the things that stuck out to me about how intense this fight must have been. And so, like, as he's dragging Ron away, Harry was feeling as though his ribs were broken after the, the dog pushed him yeah. down to get to Ron. And then... Um, the dog's jaws fastened over an arm, um, to start dragging. Harry seized a handful of the brute's hair. Like, the word brute, like, it just is such a good word choice. I loved it. And just, like, from there on, the pain caused is from the Whomping Willow. But, like...
1: To to double down on what you just said, they, the dog, Sirius, dragged him into the... Uh, I guess, tunnel under the whopping Willow, but Ron's leg gets caught on a Well, he specifically
0: branch. tried to hook it around the bridge right. to stop, yeah.
1: And the dog pulls oh. Ron off oh. of it, it. which I then... That had to have
0: hurt. Oh, oh my, my gosh. And that's another thing. I feel like Ron's pain in this chapter is so much more vivid than anything. I mean, obviously, they're not going to make, like, poor 13-year-old Rupert Grin, like... Sure tinged in pain. But like you feel Ron's pain but in this what? chapter. You know what? In
1: the movie, you know, you kind of laugh cuz Ron's like playing it up like he almost died. Kind of like Malfoy. <laughs>
0: Except this he actually <laughs> could have possibly very significantly injured.
1: Yeah, so it's I mean, just the broken leg. And
0: then how active Ron is in this chapter with yeah. the broken leg. I'm sorry, I'm jumping ahead. It all just like was much more vivid than I No,
1: for sure. And just the force that it takes to break a leg, that dog has to be crazy, crazy strong. Yeah. And, and as you pointed out too, large. Yeah. Like, it's got to be a very large, aggressive, and we've gotten, like, we've been told that. Right. But it's hard to, like, really envision, like, when they say big black dog, I'm thinking, like, a large lab or something like that. So as Ron got dragged into this tunnel, Hermione... Whispers, I believe was the verb there, whispers help, help, and Crookshanks immediately, like, just gets it and goes to the knot on the Whomping Willow, presses it. Why do you think
0: Crookshanks does that, though? Because, like, Crookshanks is friends with the dog, so she just witnessed them fighting with the dog. Why do you think she he would help Harry and Hermione get into the tunnel? and
1: Great them? question, and I think that points to a larger view of Crookshanks as I guess you can call him a character. <laughs> it's a character, yeah. I
0: mean, he's pretty active in this
1: book. A hundred percent. But so we've kind of had discussions before about like. Kirkshanks doesn't seem to have any innate magical abilities yet. He was bought at a magical creatures right. shop. Yeah. Just cuz he doesn't like you know go invisible or fly he or do all whatever. The tricks
0: and stuff that the mice were doing, yeah.
1: There might be a more invisible form of magic like his level of understanding is almost like Hedwig's mm. of like that innate like yeah. intuitive like you're bad, you're good, this is what
0: Which maybe that's just magical cats. In general, and that's maybe I one of the reasons thought. why cats are included in one of the pets that they can bring to school.
1: Mrs. Nor- it would explain Mrs. Norris a whole heck yeah. of a lot. Yeah. And uh, that's the case, and well, I guess we can get into this later too, but just clearly he's having conversations with Sirius. Conversations, right. quote unquote. I
0: have more, um, I really, really want to deep dive
1: into the whole serious and blink back dog yeah, part of and it
0: that, like discussion and stuff I maybe. Mean, An-
1: uh, okay. okay yeah. fair enough so yeah i just found it really interesting that crookshanks not only like help is one thing but knowing exactly what was needed to help in that yeah. specific time
0: yeah
1: um is just a little like hint that it's not a normal cat um, if I mean,
0: granger would never own a normal cat
1: true very true um, then we get to the Harry It's a Trap, He's an Animagus line, which, again, I just have emblazoned in my head as Rupert Grint, uh, which...
0: Fair enough. Yeah. It is a great, like, gasp-worthy moment.
1: Yes. A hundred percent. And then the description of C- Here we
0: go. A mass of filthy, matted hair hung to his elbows. If eyes hadn't been shining out of the deep, dark sockets, he might have been a corpse. The waxy skin was stretched so tightly over the bones of his face, it looked like a skull. His yellow teeth were bared in a grin.
1: It was serious Black. That's such good descriptive writing.
0: Even when he speaks, the adjectives she uses for his voice, like the next line is, Expelliarmus, he croaked. Like, every time he talks in this chapter, it's like he rasped, he... Like, it's just... I think
1: they describe it as... It's as if he hasn't used that... I forget the verbiage which he uses, which is great, but it's like he hasn't used Mm -hmm. that voice in years. I
0: mean, who would he speak to? Right.
1: Uh, One thing I do want to kind of sit on for just a second is we've talked a couple of times about the notion of... We're reading this book through, essentially, Harry's perspective. Mm -hmm. At times, we get it as, like, a collective trio perspective on something, Mm because Ron and Hermione have generally similar viewpoints, whatever, what have you. Here, I feel like, is a really interesting example of it. When Sirius uh, says, your father would have done the same Mm -hmm. for me, and Harry perceives it as a taunt. Yeah. And, And he goes after Sirius as if it is a taunt. Um, and I think knowing what we already know of the Marauders and how they were friends at school, yeah. uh, you can see how Sirius is like, at least in his point of view, being a hundred percent genuine. Like,
0: right. no, He doesn't James think Warner. anything yeah. of a line like that because he knows in the deepest core of him, James Potter would have done that for him.
1: And I think we've already had stories of just yeah. that. Uh, you know, you get the Snape history and stuff like that. Oh my god,
0: I was a Snape story.
1: <laughs> so you get, um, you know, you get little tastes and tidbits of their history as friends, which Harry seems to just completely ignore at different points in this book. I get that he's in a state. Well... He's in a state.
0: And also, how much... I mean, hearing from a group of teachers while well, you're hidden behind Christmas trees hopping in Butterbeer right. that... You know they were best friends i mean yes he knows the depth of his friendship with ron and hermione and we know at this point that that was the same depth that sirius and james have but at the end of the day the most important thing to harry and like you said it's from his perspective all anybody really can see is that Sirius Black turned his back on that friendship. Like, I feel like what they all think Sirius Black did just automatically cancels out any sort of friendship. So I think anybody would kind of perceive that as a taunt. Even Lupin probably would have perceived it as a taunt in that moment.
1: Yeah, it's just an interesting kind of like, clearly the character is perceiving one thing. Right. And the other character on the other end of the conversation, i seems to truly have a different perspective on how this conversation is going.
0: Right.
1: <laughs> of, like, what I'm telling you is a fact. What am I getting all this blowback for? <laughs> like,
0: I wish we could have the perspective of Ron or Hermione or both in this scene, because can you imagine watching your best friend go through the very dark things that Harry goes through in these few moments? I mean, like, I, like, if I... Say, I was Hermione and you were Harry, and I was just like standing huddled in a corner watching you with your wand pointed over the heart of this mass murder. Like I, I don't know what I would do. It's, it's just, it's a lot. It's a very intense.
1: Well, you set me up situation. to my next question, awesome. almost exactly. Of <laughs> Harry points his wand at Sirius's heart. Uh, how exactly would he follow thought, through sure. on that? Yeah. I, at this point in his schooling, I'm not aware of anything that he would have learned that would cause this adult wizard right. immediate peril, like yeah. immediate mortal danger.
0: Yeah, no, I know. Um, I mean, yes, I think a lot of things to the heart, never a great thing.
1: Sure. But yeah, that's true. But what does
0: he know? It? I think in the, you know, coming book, he learns some things. But, yeah, I am with you at this point. What exactly was he going to do? What spell does he know at this point that's going to kill somebody?
1: And I don't know that he knows the answer to that. I no. just think he's in a hot flash he's of in emotion. A very
0: hairy place right now. Um, Harry feels all his feels, and who can blame him? This is a pretty, pretty feel.
1: Lupin enters the occasion. And I love... Lupin, because obviously we know how intelligent and how smart he is. Mm -hmm. And you can see him start piecing everything together as to what this could potentially mean. And it's just really interesting to kind of see him put the puzzle pieces together. So he comes to the conclusion, essentially, that Sirius and Peter must have switched places. And, um...
0: So all that wordless communication that goes on between Sirius and Lupin as he's piecing it all together and he'll just say like a quick broken phrase as they're like staring at each other and making eye contact and Sirius just kind of nods or... I want to... friendship had to have been so deep. And I mean like maybe this stands out to me because I could tell you something that you would laugh at enormously about (laughs) me. Um... I may or may not be a Wolfstar follower. You don't even know what Wolfstar is, do you? Wolfstar? Yes. It is the fanfiction nickname for those people who ship Lupin and Sirius.
1: Sirius is in the star?
0: Yeah, Sirius is the star and Wolf is, yeah. 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 So anyway, the fact that they can still wordlessly communicate after not speaking for 12 Uh, years and like thinking so poorly of the other, I just love this
1: moment. But meanwhile, like, again, the trio is just sitting there and like, what is going on right now? Such
0: confusion. Which how badly, how badly do you wish, I know we've spoken a lot, particularly in Chamber of Secrets about how we wish we could remember our first reactions to things, this This is the first time, oh my god, how I wish I could remember. Because at this point we just, you know, remember, like, know so much about these characters that's Mm -hmm. so ingrained in us. Was I brokenhearted when Lupin reached out and embraced Sirius, you know, as a brother? Did I think in this moment, did Lupin go to the dark side? Like, uh, I, like, I just, or was I just super confused and, like, flipping through pages rampantly because (laughs) Lupin could not fall from the pedestal that I had already placed him on.
1: Right. Right. Which is, admittedly, and I think this, of all the things we've uh, argued and debated and gone back and forth on, I think of all the things we could have possibly debated, this is the one universal truth. I think everybody has put Lupin on quite the pedestal by this point already.
0: Yeah, for sure.
1: Like, I can't think of one reason why you wouldn't have. By this point.
0: Unless I, you're, like, Draco Malfoy. I
1: mean, we've nitpicked. I know I've, like, nitpicked. Like, well, his lessons could have gone really bad. They yeah. just didn't.
0: I nitpicked that. And
1: you yeah. can nitpick that. But th- that's an admittedly a nitpick. They didn't go badly. Right. So it's like, anyway. Yeah, we can go on a loop and love fest. But, um, <laughs> so, you know who's not going on a loop and love fest is is Ron. In this I story.
0: This is the second most disappointing moment for Ron in this entire series for me.
1: So, Hermione comes out with this pained, like, we trusted you. Uh, I, I, trusted I trusted you. I trusted you. I kind of let a lot go. And then she gets into what she meant by that. She yeah. explains what she meant by that. And, and she kept it as a
0: vault. She didn't even tell Ron or Harry.
1: Yeah. No, she kept that she... very close to the uh, vest, which is substantial when you think mm-hmm. of all that they talk about. Um, but. I, I do love, I don't want to say it mocking or like taking, I don't want to even say that. It's like, because all that's way too harsh for what Lupin actually does in response. But he kind of like pokes, pokes. That's what I want to go with. He pokes at Hermione a little bit by saying like, Hermione, you're a little substandard here. You only got one out of three correct.
0: You know, Which, I love that. I, I
1: love, that love that too.
0: that moment so much.
1: Yeah. yeah. He, just, he just kind of pokes at her a little bit and was like, I'm disappointed in you right now. You're only like a third correct. Um, which... Not at is, all
0: up to your usual standard.
1: Which, uh, you know, to him is playful banter. To her, it's like a deep cashing insult. <laughs> you know? It's it's his deep mortal wound that she has now suffered. But anyway, yeah.
0: It's also a deep cut because she... It's like a further slash in her in the betrayal that, you know, that she kept the secret and now he's making fun of her in her mind. Like...
1: Ooh. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Hermione not in a good place right now.
1: Well, once Hermione makes it very clearly known to those in the room that don't know, which that would be Harry and Ron. <laughs> Lupin, I think, makes to go towards Ron, doesn't he, at some point? Because to help the Ron leg. like
0: grimaces in pain again or like yeah. something, yeah.
1: And then Ron's exact quote is, get away from me, werewolf. And
0: I just want to
1: hug him. Oh well, I and, and this might be another example of me taking this like way too deep on things, but um, Ron, you've known this man for a year now. You've been in close contact with him for a year now. he's saved you at least on one occasion. He's physically saved you once. He's gotten you out of trouble multiple times. He's helped you in many ways
0: helped your best friend in enormous ways. In
1: enormous ways. And now you're acting like he cannot even come close to you very quickly based on one fact. Granted, it is a fact, and it's a big one.
0: So my thought, and I know we've given Molly Weasley a lot of love on this podcast, that she deserves 100%. Molly Weasley brings her children up as much as the blood, blood Traders, as the Weasleys are, um, Molly is lovely, she's got a lot of stereotypes in her that she has raised her children with. And I think of all the kids, Percy and Ron took them to heart the most, and I think Ron in particular is the biggest, and obviously we hear the most from Ron.
1: Can, can you bottle that? And I want you to really expound on it in the spoiler. Sure. Is that possible? Because I like that. Yeah. I like where you're going with it. So I kind of want you to expound on it. Yeah. But I feel like it will dip in spoilers. Works for me. <laughs> so. Uh, but yeah, no. I uh, Is it like... Obviously, werewolves are a thing. And they are known to be a thing. So...
0: They're oh. a dangerous thing. As much as we love Lupin.
1: Anyway. W- we can get into more of the whole... But the discriminatory...
0: I think it applies. Reaction. pretty darn discriminatory. Like you said, he knows all of these things about Lupin, and one fell swoop, he learns one thing yes. about him, and it's completely different. That,
1: that's what caught me. Yeah. So we, we can discuss it kind of in, in future conversations, but yeah, it just caught me. as like, whoa, <laughs> that... Accelerated to 10 real quick.
0: Which is so wrong too.
1: That, but... that is true. Well, and again, he's having quite a night. So... <laughs> a baby. But yeah, we also learned that the the staff is aware of, mm-hmm. of Lupin being uh, a werewolf. Not all of them were super supportive. I would love to have the breakdown of...
0: I had that thought, too. I want to know, obviously, I'm sure we all know one professor who is not supportive. Well... But... Uh, yeah, I would like the breakdown as well.
1: I don't think that's even a secret. I don't think that's a spoiler. I think he's been, oh, been pokey. He it literally... Doesn't he,
0: doesn't he even say that
1: he... he literally leave. tried to out him in a lesson, <laughs> which is how Hermione like, figured this whole thing oh, out he, to begin sweep. with. I hate him
0: so much. Sorry. So, uh, yes,
1: we obviously know one <laughs> that I'm assuming was quite vocal in, in, uh, in defiance of him being hired. But, you know, I wonder what McGonagall's true opinion of it was. I wonder what Flitwick's was. It would have been interesting to hear kind of the other teacher's point of view.
0: And I but, would also be interested to know, like, how much of their view would be based on the fact, like, McGonagall might have a different view than others because she taught him. You know, she already went through his time.
1: How do you think that process went? Do you think Dumbledore... I'm assuming Dumbledore just made the call on his own because he's Dumbledore and he's yeah, like, whatever, okay. I do what I want. Board, of,
0: Board of Governors wasn't involved in that one.
1: Pretty sure, absolutely. But do you think teachers hear of it and they're like, hey, or they probably don't even, does Dumbledore just tell them after the fact? It's just interesting how, you know, the staff knows is kind of an interesting detail that they threw out there. So we found out this little detail, little minor detail about Lupin, Um, you know, he helped write the Marauder's Map, which...
0: Nonchalance.
1: It just comes out in such a like... He's like, oh, yeah, I saw this name. I saw you guys go down to Hagrid's hut on the Marauder's map. And Harry's like, how did you know about the Marauder's map? And he's like, "Uh, you know, I kind of wrote it. I'm (laughs) Mooney.
0: And he he just, like, flicks it away. He, like, in my mind, he's, like, rolling his eyes. Whatevs. Yeah, yeah, I helped write it. Moving on.
1: Yeah. He's like, "Eh, you know, just a minor piece of magic. Just a minor piece of. I love it. Yeah, whatever. It's fine. And then um, he's like, he mentions the cloak. I forget exactly how he mentions uh, Harry under the cloak. He's like.
0: Because he, he says he assumed that they would be sneaking down under the invisibility yeah. cloak to visit Hagrid. And that's when he says, you know about the cloak? The number of times I watched James disappear underneath it.
1: The, of all the times Harry has been first year stupid, second year dumb, third year thick, whatever it was. This was a dumb question. You know he was. You know he was friends with James. You know he was good friends with James. Why wouldn't he know about the cloak?
0: Boy, a break. This is a lot happening to them right now.
1: The Marauders' mad 13. question was legit. Yeah, that legit. This one, I'm like, really? You couldn't piece that one together in two seconds. Anyway. I digress. But it was a cool little, like, scene where it's Lupin's a just like... He
0: could, it's a legit question if Lupin doesn't know he has James's book.
1: That's fair. Yeah, I guess Lupin would just assume that it got packed. But I would assume... I, remember, but... I would assume Lupin assumes
0: Well, right. That. Lupin obviously yeah, is good at making connections. But I'm just
1: saying. Right. No, yeah, that's a fair point. And then, uh, to your point about what were our reactions when we first read this book... The reveal of Scabbers is Peter Pettigrew. As a mic drop moment towards the end of this chapter, I I can't tell you exactly how I felt, but I this has gotta be one of the bigger twists oh, in yeah. like. Yeah. It's a massive twist.
0: Who thinks a rat is a human that's supposed to be dead?
1: Even if you were like, putting together, well, Scabbers is clearly something, because I mentioned it 8,000 times. Even if you piece that together, fine. But I don't think you had him being Peter Pettigrew. Like, that's a twist of epic proportion. Uh, so, I I don't know how exactly I reacted, except to immediately turn the page and read the next chat. Like, yeah, well,
0: I'm sure that's well, what I was going Me, when I was a little older, I feel like my mind would have started worrying and thinking of all the clues that might have, like, been given to us, like... The missing toe, and you know things like that, but
1: or at the pet shop, right at the beginning when when the person's like, "That's a really old rat,"
0: or like the things that Scabbers really got scared of. It's like I'd like to think that I started thinking of all those things, but like you said, I'm pretty sure 13 year old Anna was just
1: like, "What happens next?" Yeah, that was a uh, that was a curveball. That was a real curveball back in the day, but. Yeah, there's a lot going on in this chapter, and I think it's time to go to the spoiler section. I
0: think so. Probably, and yeah. kind
1: of dive a little bit more into it. So enjoy Hermione's wonderful uh, <laughs> cockroach <laughs> uh, quote, and we'll be right back with the spoilers. You! You foul loathsome, evil little cockroach! All right, we are back with the spoiler section of chapter 17, Cat, Rat, and Dog. And we're just going to pick up with the, the Molly Weasley thought that you had earlier. Because I just thought it was an interesting take that we haven't heard before on Molly. So.
0: Yeah, like I'm, I'm not saying like I, I want to like hate on Molly or anything like that. I wouldn't want our Molly to, you know, hate me forever. But when we talk about Ron's reaction to the werewolf and uh, discrimination and stuff like that, it just hit me like he was raised with a lot of types from Molly. And like other examples I was kind of thinking of is like, you know, later on when we meet Bill, she wants to cut Bill's hair, she wants him to lose the dragon earring. She um I think it's in Goblet of Fire when she sends Hermione less chocolate because she like believes all of the different Rita skeeter articles. she was you know taken in by Lockhart. she's just a lot more like she puts importance on the type of kind of like gossip magazines I feel like mm, okay And then like I feel like maybe the biggest example is how she treats Fred and George and the importance she puts on becoming prefect and head boy and all of that changes all of a sudden when they start making money. The joke shop, and all of a sudden, like, oh, it's all wonderful, and it's okay, they didn't get business,
1: they're businessmen, right?
0: Yeah, so I just think you know, she puts more importance on those types of things, and Ron just kind of takes that in. You know, he remembers all of these things that she taught him. We all do, you know, we take in, we remember the things our parents taught us, we kind of it becomes part of us to a certain extent, whether we want it to or not. Percy, I think, is the other biggest example and we've talked a lot about Percy Ugh. and you uh, thinking he wants the power and I was more towards like his importance of money and I think he gets that from Molly. Yeah. So
1: can I ask a question though since we're in a, a werewolf uh, outing yeah. <laughs> chapter. And the whole reason we kind of got on that note was Ron reacting so aggressively yeah, to yeah. oh my gosh you're a werewolf get away from me. Right. Uh, spoiler. Uh, Bill gets entangled with a werewolf at some point.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And no, he doesn't get bit. And it's not a full right. change, per se. But there are side effects <laughs> to yeah. his his entanglement with the werewolf uh, Fenwarer, right?
0: Yep. Right so,
1: yeah. So how do you think that might alter their... I mean, obviously, they've known Lupin for a couple of years now at that point.
0: Right. I was going to say, and that's the good thing about the Weasleys is... They're not unwilling to let go of, you know, those stereotypes that lead to discrimination, that lead to they're willing to change their thinking um, pretty quickly compared to a lot of other people that might have the same discriminatory tendencies towards werewolves. Um, they're not going to be, like, Umbridge, like, holding on to that, making laws, making it harder for them to live.
1: Imagine that. You get to know someone from a different background, and then you learn to accept them.
0: <laughs> Growth. It's a beautiful thing. Oh, no. That's but, amazing. um, <laughs> it, it would interest me to know how Molly would have, re- I mean, she loves her children. Her children are her heart, so I don't think there would have been any awfulness. But, like, say they didn't know Lupin. Say Grey Brack had actually bitten Bill. What would Molly and Ron's reaction have been had Bill become a full-blown werewolf?
1: I don't know that they go full on excommunication from no, the family. I agreed.
0: But they're willing to do things like that. Look at what they do to Percy. And like Percy brings that upon himself.
1: That's a lot of Percy self-inflicted.
0: But I know, I agree, but like they write him off.
1: Yeah, I would say they wouldn't excommunicate, but they would treat him differently. He would be an ostracized member of the, like, you go sit at the table over there away from from us.
0: Arthur, what, Arthur, Fred, George, Charlie, they've got a lot more openness.
1: They have seen, well, uh, not necessarily Fred and George at this point in the books, but Charlie and Arthur have been out, and right. they've experienced a lot more of the world through their professions. Right. So they've probably come in contact with a bunch of different people in a bunch right. of different Arthur's ways. Right, Arthur's
0: constantly working with muggles, right. Charlie's in Romania doing his dragon thing, so like, yes. Agreed. I
1: could see them being a little bit more like tolerant. And so
0: it's also a testament like clearly... People, Arthur's not going to love Molly if he doesn't see the part of her that is going to be like... You know, once they experience things just like Arthur, Charlie yeah. are, they grow.
1: I don't, I don't know how... So you...
0: really, it's good that they got Lupin into their lives before yep. Bill goes through. Oh, or 100%. Through. But...
1: I could see... I don't know how you feel about this, but I could see Charlie being the type of person like Sirius or like James that's like, My brother who I've known all this time, just became a werewolf. Like, I could see Charlie being like, how can I be there for him yes. still?
0: Yeah. Like, Charlie would go anime, I guess. Charlie would, yeah. I
1: think he would Agreed. at least attempt it, or at least yep. find some way to still be like, how can I help you through this? His yeah. thing is, for lack of a better term, fantastic piece. Yeah. So it's like, that's his gig. So... Like, I could see him finding some way to still mm-hmm. be involved with Bill, even when that time comes. And I
0: think Fred and George would, too.
1: Like, Fred Eventually, and George
0: yeah. are... They pick at people, but they're always involved in their people's lives. I you know think... I mean?
1: um, yeah, we'll get to your uh, rebuttals here in a second, but I think um, one one thing... Anna likes to message me after every episode she
0: <laughs> It's very stream of consciousness. <laughs>
1: very much so. And, uh, I
0: couldn't do it with very many people who don't know me as Paul well as Tanda.
1: <laughs> one of the things that she picked at me for was a take I had on, on Fred and George. Mm. And in response to the conversation that we're having and, and that, I feel like Fred and George are an interesting character study in their own right throughout the series. Mm-hmm. Because... They start off as uh, these immature, you know, pranksters that oh, play yeah. a lot of pranks and make There's a lot of still jokes.
0: a lot of immaturity in them until the right. very end of the series.
1: But, well, that's my point, is you see them grow mm-hmm. and mature throughout the series, maybe the most completely of almost any other character. Like, you see a big growth point. And you could almost target it, like book one to book two to book three to book, you know. Yeah. It's a really cool, interesting arc that they have. So to your point, uh, as they grow up and as they kind of get more of that worldly experience, I think they would jump right with Charlie and like, oh, yeah. how can we do this? Like, how can we make I this mean, work? I mean, there
0: would be some some horrible jokes. There would be some raw meat jokes. There would be. You know.
1: A hundred percent.
0: Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah. But for a little problem would be very them. <laughs> <dumb. laughs> um, but yeah, agreed. As soon as Charlie, I think Charlie would be the one to come up with the Animagus idea and Fred and George would definitely jump on and be like, yes,
1: we will okay, do that with Okay, now you. that you said that, I can't not ask. What do you think they would then become? All three of them. Fred, George, and Charlie. Oh,
0: Wow. Okay. I can't
1: not ask that question after you just posed that idea. I can't not ask it.
0: I mean, like, I I feel like it's anybody's mind is immediately first thought going to think Charlie would become a dragon, but like that that's aggressive. Seems really intense. That's aggressive. Yeah. So, and I'm sure um, it's
1: extraordinarily difficult to do that kind of transformation, unless he's like a little toothless or something like that, like a little baby dragon.
0: I, I mean, I definitely think Charlie is going to be something. That, he would be one of the bigger animals that would be keeping the werewolf in charge.
1: Well, you got like, you, so you have examples of Sirius becoming a clearly a large he'd be a black bear. Dog.
0: I think Charlie would be a bear.
1: Bear is an interesting option. That's yeah. reasonable. It's a reasonable He's option. like
0: brawny. He's like, but he'd be like the Teddy Roosevelt bear that like looks big and grrrr, <laughs> but then like I could go and like hug him.
1: I like that one bear works I would have said like maybe like because of the, the brawny muscular version yeah. like more of like a gorilla or something like that like a big... okay
0: yeah I can see that um,
1: you. obviously we're going like the twins
0: you know. is hard for me I do think they would be different animals and I think that would be important different but
1: similar or just completely different
0: Fred would be a bigger animal than George would be interesting. But not significantly different. And I say that because, you know, we've talked a lot about, you know, it always being Fred and George. And, like, Fred being the kind of, like, instigator. Um, so I think that's why. I, I don't know if JK ever told us, but in my mind, Fred is the older of the two.
1: By, like, a minute. Yeah, <laughs> or exactly. Like, something like that.
0: Right. I don't know.
1: I, I feel like even... If they were different, I feel like they would still have to be like, uh, they'd still have to pair well. They'd
0: be complementary, Right. Yeah, for sure.
1: Yeah. So it's like, you'd have to almost pick like, whatever symbiotic relationship yeah. some animals have. But then you'd also like, would their focus be to help Charlie like wrangle in a potential bill or would it just I mean, be they, like their own? I feel like they own... would
0: need, well, they don't have a choice in their animagus form. We can go down this rabbit hole. I want to go down this rabbit hole in the next episode. But I did a, uh, that is a whole research other research dis- into Animagus.
1: That's a whole other, but, yeah.
0: Yeah. I don't know why koala well, keeps coming to my mind. <laughs>
1: <but> I... <laughs> koala?
0: <laughs> I love koalas.
1: I love koalas too. That is so random.
0: I know. I don't know.
1: Uh, anyway. You should, should pause this discussion right after koalas. <laughs> and we should get back to it. You're right. We should get back to it uh, when we get back to the whole Animagus thing. Unbelievable. This conversation has gotten bonkers, but this... This
0: book is mm, about to get bonkers. This book
1: is about to get bonkers. This this chapter is really where this starts to spiral in some crazy things. Yeah.
0: Lots of explanations needed from here on out.
1: It's like... You almost are, like, just getting up to that top of the roller coaster before you just, like, scream down.
0: I like that comparison a lot. I like that a lot.
1: And it just, and just more and more and more comes out of it. And you're just like, oh, this is crazy. So this is that chapter. So I couldn't say that when I was introducing the chapter, because you don't know really what chapters are coming next. But it's crazy. I would just like to
0: say, one of my biggest takeaways from this chapter is how much I wish I could have been friends with the Marauders. I mean, like, wouldn't it have just been so much fun? So, like...
1: I have heard that take from this person
0: I know, I (laughs) I say it a lot, but, like, it would be so much fun. So, like, we talked in the non-spoiler section about, like, Lupin's casual, like, throwing out of, like, yeah, I helped write it. Like, he's just got this casual brilliance to him. And then Sirius, in this chapter, is just, like, such a total drama king. Like, oh my god, he does not help himself in this chapter to not appear to be a psycho at all. Like, he just, like, has these one-liners, only one will die tonight. (laughs) Like, such a drama queen. Um, And then James is just hot, and we all know my love of James. But, like, it just would have been fun (laughs) to be friends with them at Hogwarts. I wish I was Lily Evans. (laughs) It's fine.
1: (laughs) I'm quite certain they were a fun group to be around. And they were kind of the it group, really. Really? I mean, they were the group that everybody kind of, like, looked up to outside of uh, certain potions professor. So yeah, but I, just I mean, made a
0: real nasty face at him, you guys.
1: <laughs> so I mean, they had everything. They had everything you want. They had the athletic prominence. They had the academic prominence. They had the quick wit. The always ready with a, a joke and a friendship
0: too. Yeah, I mean, so close. Not very many people. I mean, people have friends, but that level of friendship when you're a are teenager... you telling
1: me Dean and Seamus are not bros for life? <laughs> Of
0: course they are. Dan. She must have their own special relationship, Dan. People are jealous of that. I don't know too. why.
1: I don't know why. But I thought you were gonna say like they had like matching tattoos. I don't know why you were gonna go that they route. Probably they probably do. do. They probably do.
0: It's some it's some sort of shamrock soccer combination. You're like the West Ham logo with a shamrock.
1: Maybe we can we can roll that. Sure. You had cannon. <laughs> Yeah, so this this book kind of gets crazy. And you know, we're getting down to it, which is crazy to think about too, that we're nearing the end of this book. So there's still a lot to cover. But we've already covered a lot. Any comments, concerns, things you have from previous chapters?
0: Okay, so my one big thought that I would just like to throw out there is I'm really grateful to Elizabeth, that she was the guest on the last two chapters. Because she was much kinder to you than I would have been. Even listening to them, I was getting really upset. So I'm really glad I didn't have to be Shocking. those chapters. I know.
1: She yells at me frequently. You think <laughs> I'm kidding when I'm saying she's the, the Hermione yelling cockroach <laughs> at me. You think I'm kidding.
0: <laughs> me, sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, but even more so than that, and you already alluded to this, I was really upset when you were accusing Fred and George of stealing from Honeydukes.
1: I'm not saying they were robbing them at one point. I'm just saying but they were, I like, nicking just, a couple things. No, together.
0: because they wouldn't just be nicking a couple things the, the amount of times just in these books alone, and they had years before the books were reading, you know, where they had the Marauder's Map, the l- amount of stuff they bring back from Honeydukes, the oftenness that they go and steal, take things from Honeydukes, Yes, I guess technically you could call it stealing, but I firmly believe I am 100% in agreement that they take up a collection. I think I can they see just that. have, I think there is, in my mind, there is a jar that just constantly sits in the Gryffindor common room. It's labeled Quidditch Parties. <laughs> and when you have a spare galleon, you throw it in the jar, and that is what Fred and George use, and they just leave that money in a pile in Honeydukes.
1: I think that's a stretch, but it would answer my comeback to you of, that was put together really last minute. Cause that that's was, why like, there's just yeah. a jar that always
0: <laughs> sits there. And they just, you know,
1: I'm not saying they're awful people. I'm not saying they're like burglars.
0: No, I just like I just was. Saying, like, I, I was. I wish you could have seen. They're me. also kids I was, like, too. I was like almost shaking. I was like getting so upset that you were saying that they they're, would take that much.
1: kids. Kids company. do dumb things sometimes that I'm sure they look back on as their businessmen selves. Oh and wizard. Uh... Wizard Weasley's Wizard Weasley. Yes, I got tongue-tied on that real bad. But, yes. Easy to do. <laughs> yes, thank you. But owning their own joke shop later, I'm sure they were like, hey, kid, I know what you're doing. Drop hey, it and get out of here. Exactly. that stack of exactly. stuff you think we're going to give you? We're exactly. not. I'm sure they're now well aware that their former mischievous... That's what I'm saying. They were young and... and they did dumb don't stuff. Just,
0: I, just don't, I think they have enough of Molly ingrained in them that they would have left. At least, maybe the money that they leave doesn't cover the full amount of stuff that they take, but I firmly believe they do not just take.
1: After I said it, now I'm having the image in my head of any anybody for that matter, not just them, like robbing someplace at one point. <laughs> like, what do you say? What do you do with that? I don't know. No, that was not... That was not my intended impression to put out there. Just saying, they're, they're kids. They do some not they, they great stuff They hold the wands sometimes.
0: to the ear like Bellatrix does to Neville, and they break the eardrums like Helena Bonham oh, Carter did to... That's what happened I know, that's super, <laughs> I know that's super I aggressive. That's super aggressive. Anyway.
1: Anything else you had?
0: No, that's what I only No, thoughts. that was the only one
1: that you were really coming at before? Yeah,
0: yeah.
1: Uh, she's being nice now. And our book wrap-up, I'm sure she'll be much more feisty.
0: <laughs> Anytime we actually talk about Shalani, it's just going to come out. We're not going to do it today, guys. Uh,
1: we're not going to do it today. But yeah, I, th- th- this chapter, as big as it was, uh, it only gets bigger from here, which is weird because the next chapter was only like nine pages.
0: I was so surprised <laughs> and it was, like, loaded. that because uh, it's so good.
1: It's so good. So I think we're going to call it here. For Cat, Rat, and Dog, mm-hmm. Chapter 17. And uh, we will be back next week with Chapter 18, Mooney, Wormtail, Padfoot, and Prongs. So, it's, yeah, it's kind of a big chapter. <laughs> it's a big little chapter. It's a big, big content little page. So, we'll be back with the Marauders themselves and that explanation next week. So, please join us. And for Anna.
0: Bye, guys. It was fun.
1: I'm Dan. Um, Thank you. Thank you for all the Twitter and Instagram interactions. We really appreciate it. So keep those coming and let us know what you think.
0: Find me on Instagram.
1: Yes. Anna's doing a great job with our Instagram account. So thank you for that. So we will see you next week. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to Hogwarts, a podcast.